When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Curzon podcast based here in Canterbury. This week we're going to be talking about Trumbo, the film starring Brian Cranston as Dalton Trumbo, a Hollywood screenwriter who was blacklisted for his, co- for his communist views and had to write screenplays in secret. As always, I'm Sam Howlett and I'm joined by Helen Seymour. Good hello. morning, Helen. Good morning, Sam. Excellent. So, Trumbo. This is based on a true story. Is it a story you knew? Not really. Okay. No, maybe I'm really ignorant to that. I just Not didn't really know about it, and I, I was no quite surprised. Either. Yeah, I had no idea. I knew that I'd heard because I think when I did, I think it must have been GCSE history or something. We studied like the Red Scare and communism in America, and we briefly talked about this the, the Hollywood Ten, which was ten like producers and writers who were banned from writing in Hollywood and were blacklisted. That's all I knew. I didn't know who any of them were. Um, so yeah, this for me was com- a completely new story. It's really scary, isn't it? Terrifying, that yeah. Very recently as well. Yeah. Yeah. Really scary. Yeah, I think it's a. I think the film's strongest point actually is that story. We'll talk about the acting a bit as well, which got a very strong ensemble cast. Really strong. But I think the reason to see this film for me is the story, because there's not not to. Um, shoot down the film at all but I don't think it's the most interestingly made film mm-hmm. it's very solidly made it's very straightforward there's not particularly anything interesting to say about the directing mm-hmm. or the camera work or yeah, anything like that I, I think that's fair it's just very yeah. straightforward but I think what keeps it going along with the performances is this really interesting story a lot of films go in and they have this thing at the beginning this is based on a true story etc etc but I think here like often that sort of gets sidelined a bit for entertainment value whereas here I think you really want to know what happened and you don't just want to go home and have to look it up on Wikipedia or something. You want to see these actors portray this amazing, bizarre thing happening. Yeah, I would fully agree with that, actually. And like you say, the performances carry off really well. So yeah. Brian Cranston, who is Trumbo yeah. himself. Dalton Trumbo. Dalton right. Trumbo. Amazing name. It what seems name? like a fake name. It's not. <laughs> it's like a, it seems like the name from a Coen Brothers film. It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dalton Trumbo. <laughs> um, he is sensational. Yeah. 
he's so watchable he is. And, and enjoyable in all his like, yeah. mannerisms. He's really weird as well, yeah. but in a great, he's so eccentric. And I did not expect this kind of character to be like that. Yeah. When I first started watching it, I thought, oh, he's really over the top. Mm. It's like, oh, how can he do, is he going to do the whole film like this? So he can't, the, do you first see him on set? Is I think you right? first, well, you first see him in the bath. Oh, which we will talk about. <laughs> oh, I love his scenes in the bath. Me, me too. Um, but yeah, when he's on set, he's kind yeah. of got this war. Thing, yeah, and like, he wears and these nice clothes and he has these little glasses and he always has his cigarette in a sort of big Corella de Vil <laughs> filter type thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's, um, like, have I been accused of a crack? He's like, yeah. talks like that. But it's not a, it's not an act. I think this is what Dalton Trumbo really was like because you see him as you often do in these kind of real life films. And at the end credits, they'll show you the actual footage, and he is like that. He's mm. so like rhetorical and bombastic. He's great. And I wish I wish I'd seen more footage of real I Trumbo. Know, real Trumbo. And also, you can believe that he did what he did. Yeah, because it, everything it does has make sense. it has to be from someone who is that exuberant yeah, in life. Exactly, and he's not. Because, so at the start, I'd say the first hour or so, or half an hour, you see him as the most successful screenwriter at the time, mm -hmm. highest paid, he lives on this amazing ranch, but he's also a communist, mm -hmm. and he has these communist views, and um, his, Louis C.K.'s character, who's also a writer called Alden Hurd, we'll talk about a bit more in a bit, he says to him, oh, you talk like a radical, but you live like a rich guy, so he's a kind of slightly contradictory character, but I think that's good. Yeah, I think just, that works. And he, had, he has... A sort of a darker side that you find out later on that he's not the nicest um, mm -hmm. father, not the nicest husband. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not to, he's, he's not he's never evil or anything like that. No. I just think he's slightly so strong-minded that he sort of forgets about his family, which is a nice little um, moment to make him a bit more complex. He's not yeah, just, make it a bit more sweet. He's not just a martyr or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. he actually says that. I yeah, I despise martyrdom or yeah. something. Yeah, so he's great. Yeah, and he's always empathetic as well. I think even when he is being a bit nasty. You do empathise with him all the way through. Um, I think it's important to note that it is called Trumbo, and it is about him. This could have easily been called The Hollywood Ten and have been about all of them. It's such a good point, yeah. But I think that it's a right decision to focus on one person going through this. So that's Brian Cranston. We, who, who do you say is next top build? Because it is quite, after him, there is quite an ensemble. It really is. Like, it's kind of a, it is very it reminds me of Coen Brothers a lot actually. Yeah, actually. In that there's a lot. There's a lot of eccentric characters that sort of come and go. Um, so should we talk about Helen Mirren? I guess yeah, she's, well, she's next on my list. Yeah. yeah. So she plays Hedda Hopper. Were you familiar with Hedda Hopper? No. She's the I'm person we have to blame for gossip and like Hollywood gossip. Yeah. Okay. So she started this whole thing of talking about uh, actors and directors' personal lives and bringing them to the forefront of the public of the news and, of the news yeah. and so yeah she's to blame for all that so okay. thanks Hedda Hopper yeah and I mean I didn't take to her in the oh, film she, she's the villain <laughs> yeah. big time she's the bad guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> another name that seems like uh, also another Coen yeah, Brothers yeah Coen Brothers well name. in sort of off top but Hail Caesar yeah. is coming out in a few weeks and Which Tilda Swinton is I'm not sure she is playing Hedda Hopper but she is a character based on Hedda Hopper so like a Hollywood gossip, gossip columnist. Okay. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of Coen Brothers stuff going on here. And John Goodman, as well, is, def is yeah. the big Lebowski in it. Yeah. Um, so she's part of the um, Motion Picture Alliance, yeah. along with John Wayne, who are this an anti-communist part of Hollywood. 
want to stamp out any left-wing politics from Hollywood. Uh, I should note that actually I've seen this film twice now. I saw it for the first time in October and I saw it again with you on Monday. And the first time I saw it, I thought Helen Mirren is a very over-the-top and sort of pantomime villain. But watching it again, I sort of think that's a bit unfair maybe because she is that but she does it so well and she just sort of chews this every single scenery that she's in that I'm quite happy just to watch her do that. I found it a bit over the top. Yeah. That was my first watch. It is very so, Yeah. <laughs> if she had a moustache, she'd be twirling it. Yeah, absolutely. And she has outrageous hats. Yeah. And it's all just a bit ridiculous. Yeah. She does, She gets the job done, I think. Because she's yeah. not a main character, really. She's not in it a, load, a lot. She's just in it every now and then. And she is just this scathing, evil, nasty... She's sort of blackmailing everyone. She's very anti-Semitic at one point. Yeah quite racist, just... Not very nice. Very unlikable character. Uh, but there's one shot at the end we'll talk about that which maybe gives her a slight bit of sympathy. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Which was an interesting little move. Uh, she was, she's was. she been talked about a lot for awards. She hasn't actually um, won anything, or she's not nominated for an Oscar, but she was one of the people talked about perhaps getting nominated. Okay. Which is quite interesting. Should we now talk about his family? Yeah. So, so his wife... Diane Lane. Diane Lane. Plays Cleo. And his... Like he's three, three kids, two girls and a boy, but yeah, the main the daughter main is uh, Elle Fanning, yeah. who was uh, amazing in Sofia Coppola's Somewhere, mm-hmm. which won at Berlin Film Festival. She's really good. She She's very good in this, actually. Yeah. my favourite. Oh, okay. That's interesting. In the film. I think Diane Lane is just a good, a good film wife. Yeah. I mean, she's <laughs> not used amazingly. No. She's quite sidelined. Yeah. I mean, she has good scenes, she has a lot of good moments, and she conveys the fact that the whole family are suffering because of this Hollywood 10 incident, and it's yeah. not just him, but I could, I could have had more of her. Me too. And maybe they do a little bit more with her. Yeah, I think that's where the daughter saves the day, yeah. because she has a lot more to her, and Loads a lot more. more to her character, Yeah. and she's portrayed as a very strong character, whereas Cleo is a bit of the Hollywood wife. Yeah. I think um, there's one part where the daughter, who's is it, it's Nicola, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She um, goes to like a civil rights campaign rally type thing, and so that's where they sort of reveal that there's parallels between her father and the daughter, that they're both passionate about supporting downtrodden people in society, and that was a nice little mirroring. Yeah, and um, also gave a nice context to the rest of the film. Yeah. To show what, that it yeah, wasn't just. It's not just communists that are being yeah. taken down by this right-wing government. It's yeah. every it's every minority. Could have had more of that, in fact. Yeah, but it absolutely. probably would yeah. have taken it away from it being I think about so, Trump, yeah. 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 Um, so also in the cast, we have so the rest of the Hollywood Ten. Uh, Michael Stuhlberg, who plays um, Edward G. Robinson, mm-hmm. who's a quite a famous a quite famous old Hollywood actor, and I had no idea of his role in the story, because I, I, knew, I knew him as an actor, but yeah, I didn't know... Too that he did those things, which is interesting to see. And Michael Stuhlberg, very underrated actor. He was in A Serious Man, the Coen Brothers film, another Coen Brothers Oh my connection. goodness, that, I love that film so much. It's great, much. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, yeah. Uh, he's also very good in Boardwalk Empire. Um, he plays a sort of famous Jewish gangster in that. So he's he's been around for quite a while, but he's never really had a huge role, but I'd like to see him get one. Cause he's, he's really good. Yeah. Uh, Louis C.K., Plays. Yeah. Ar- Ar- Arlen. Arlen Hurd. Now, Arlen Hurd. if you're trying to look up his character like I was, 
He doesn't actually exist. He's a he's a sort of a composite character of several different members of the Hollywood Ten, uh, which they often do in true life stories because mm-hmm. it just makes sense sometimes in terms of cinema to just have three characters. I'll just merge them into one, and it will give the same effect to Trumbo. Mm. Like what he goes through. Uh, he's great. Louis C.K. It's a great dramatic performance. I've not really seen him do something like this before. Me neither. So I really, really nice. enjoyed him watching him. Yeah. And it then we've really also, believable. And we've also got the what I call the the trilogy of impressions. So <laughs> you've got <laughs> David Elliot James playing John Wayne. Yeah. David O'Gorman as Kirk Douglas and Christian Burkle as Otto Preminger. Yeah. And they're all basically doing impressions of those famous people. They are. But they're good impressions. They are. Spe- particularly Kirk Douglas is great. It, the, the, the chin. Everything. Everything. The, 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 sort, of, the sort of knitted, the steely jumper. eyes. Yeah. 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 Spartacus. <laughs> yeah. It's the way he talks. Absolutely amazing. And um, I can't not talk about John Goodman. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. He just goes full, full Goodman. So good. He's so John Goodman in this. He's like, because recently I've seen John Goodman and he's lost quite a bit of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here he's huge and he's swinging a baseball bat and he's the head of the King Brothers, which is kind of a really cruddy B-movie. Uh, B-movie production company. Yeah, with like aliens having sex with women. Yeah. We need a gor- we've need we got a gorilla suit. We need to use it, write it in somehow, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. so he's bought a gorilla suit and now he needs a <laughs> film to fill yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, he was amazing. I enjoyed his scenes so yeah, much. They're so fun. I think yeah. the film is a sort of secret comedy. It is. You would not exp- I mean, obviously it's got a very serious thing we're talking about that you can't believe this thing actually happened, but also there's so much comedy in it and so many humorous scenes and he's at the heart of that, I think John Goodman's character. And fun and kind of Hollywood laughing at itself. Exactly, yeah. I've written as well uh, that so it's written by a guy called John McNamara, but it kind of feels like it's written in the forties because it's so yeah. like zippy. The dialogue it's, it's very dialogue driven, and there's always everyone's got an answer for everything. It's not like Spotlight last week where there's a lot of, sort of awkward pauses or where people like in real life don't really know how to say it all times and they don't really say the right thing. Whereas here, everyone's so sharp. Um, it feels like it's written by a, a Dalton Trumbo, like a great screenwriter. Um, so everyone's got a great comeback. And that was nice. So things like when he goes to the King Brothers and they, he says, oh, I've got a screenplay. And he goes, oh, but you don't want your name on it. He goes, no, you don't want my name on it. Things like that. Yeah. It's so, so sharp, so witty. Zippy, I think, is yeah. such a good way to describe this <laughs> it film. Just, it, there's, no, there's no, like, pause. It's, su- it's got such momentum, this film. And everything's neat. Yeah. And Everything. everything's got a kind of Hollywood sheen as well. Yeah. Well, I think, it's, I think that's intentional, though. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, so we were saying it's not an amazingly directed, but I think that is intentional, that it's made to look kind of like it is from the 50s. It definitely nice. has that yeah. vibe to it, and it's employed yeah. really well, because yeah. it obviously goes with the theme, and yeah. again... Kind of a satire of its own yeah. thing, which is nice. Right, so should we go, is there any, like, is it a standout scene you can think of that you really loved? Um, I've, got, I've got quite a few, actually. Like, I loved when he first meets John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And they have this thing of this kind of up, one-upmanship against mm-hmm. each other, and he's like, <laughs> "Trauma asked uh, John Wayne, where were you in the war?" Oh, that's right, you're on a movie set wearing makeup, dressed in a cowboy hat. That was great. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, I loved Otto Preminger. Christmas is over. That was <laughs> yeah. amazing. That was oh, that was 
so <laughs> like it was Christmas Day. And he's just there with a the coffee. <laughs> Christmas is over. Yeah. In a suit. Yeah. <laughs> I was so loved. When he's in the bath and he tells his daughter, never knock on the door while I'm working. She says, so if the house was on fire, we don't knock on the door. I'm in a bathtub. Yeah, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> I think I'll be fine. Can we talk about his bath acting? Yeah, let's talk about the bath scenes. Because I think there was, I mean, it's just him in a bath writing, but it's yeah. so fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it so much. He must be really shriveled. Yeah. Because he's in there for hours. He, wrinkly Brian yeah. Cranston. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he's he's got a typewriter set like up. Like a plank of wood. Yeah, kind yeah. of like a bath tray. Yeah. And then he's just in there, and he's, like, dropping the paper. Dropping papers, and ash. Then There's ash. that ash, you go, ooh. Uh, yeah. He splashes ash on himself. And he's, like, fishing bits of script out the bath and, like, drying yeah. it off. And it's just so... It's so exuberant and And wonderful. on the side, he's got, like, a glass of scotch, some... Percocet, pills, he's just... And I, I love the scene of him writing where he sort of sloppily sellotapes pieces of paper together. Yeah, so he cuts things, literally. Yeah. I guess... Maybe it's what you do what with Microsoft do. Word. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll move that there. But, but at the time, he literally has to physically yeah. cut it out and stick <laughs> and it on. Sticky yeah, I loved that, how the writing was so just messy. Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. But also, it seems so uncomfortable, like, to watch him in the bath, it seems such an uncomfortable place to write, because he's so crammed in. Yeah, he looks horrible, yeah. (laughs) But that is genuinely where he preferred, or where he spent a lot of his time writing. That was was a nice little touch. I also want to talk about his moustaches. Go. (laughs) (laughs) They're so thick and long that he has to literally comb them to the side, so they're not in the way of his mouth. I enjoyed that. <laughs> a little detail. They're beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And, um, yeah, when you see what the real trombone look like, he has an amazing tash. Mm. So they got that spot on. I think he's quite a... It's very well cast, actually. Really well cast. I've just been looked up. I've just been looking it up. And um, Gary Oldman was in consideration. Mm. A, a very scary Dalton Trumbo. But <clears throat> No, I think they made the right choice. Yeah, I think Brian Cranston... Brian Cranston... Always has a lot of heart, no matter what he does, I think. Should we talk about Breaking Bad? Yeah, I think we've been holding that in for long enough. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is his biggest thing after Breaking Bad. Yeah, I I haven't seen Jurassic Park. He's not in that. No, what's he in? Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. Isn't it... I have a memory of him with a dinosaur. Godzilla. 
Godzilla. That would be That'd it. Be Godzilla. Yeah. Why did I think he was in? Is no one? Is someone like him in the? Chris Pratt is in Jurassic World. No. Mm. Godzilla. You are yeah. completely right. He's in Godzilla. I haven't which, seen that. Well, <laughs> I'm really not a fan of Godzilla. Okay. Uh, and he's he's supposed to be the main character, but he's barely in it, which was a bit One of a problem. Of yeah, I had a problem with that. Yeah, I had a problem with that because I love Brian. Uh, I I've loved Brian Cranston even before Breaking Bad because I'm a huge Malcolm in the Middle fan. I loved Malcolm in the Middle when I was a kid. He is by far the best character in it. He's Hal, Hal the screechy was... dad. Yeah, he's really scared of his wife. It's yeah, like, yeah. And he's so clumsy. And... Yeah. He's also in a very good X-Files episode called Drive, which was written by Vince Gilligan, who created Breaking Bad. He's in a what? A very good X-Files episode. I thought you said exercise. <laughs> <laughs> and stretch. And stretch. <laughs> called Drive. I was like, wow. <laughs> I didn't know Vince that would be was really writing surreal. exercise videos. <laughs> exercise video called Drive for some reason. Yes, and that's where you are right. That's, that's where, where they met. They met yeah. and um, Vince thought of him for Breaking Bad. Yeah, but the studio wanted Matthew Broderick. <gasps> but Matthew Broderick turned it down, so they said, okay, we'll go with your choice. Matthew Broderick would be bizarre, because he always, well, looks, like he's, he's always looks like he's 16. Yeah, yeah. So, it would not work. <laughs> it wouldn't. It's funny, that, isn't it? Like, I bet people say to Matthew Broderick, oh, don't you wish, don't you, wish you were Breaking but Bad? But no, because yeah. then Breaking Bad wouldn't have been Breaking exactly, Bad. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. There's quite a lot of Breaking Bad alumni in Next Files, actually. Mm. Yeah, quite a few uh, <laughs> cast members appeared. Um, we've just gone completely off topic, but, um... That's okay, because we're talking about Brian Cranston, yeah. and our love for him yeah. as an actor. Uh, Oscar, nom- Oscar nominated for Trumbo. Yeah, and I rightly think so, deservedly I think. Yeah. so. Absolutely. Um, right, should we dive into some spoilery stuff? Yeah. Okay, so for the next sort of ten minutes, if you haven't seen the film yet and don't want it to be spoiled, look away. Turn the headphones look off. Away. Look away. <laughs> um, I have to say that this is not a kind of it's not a huge spoilery spoilerific film. It's not like it's got plot twists or anything particular like that. It's yeah. just if you want to that in itself is a spoiler. Yeah, exactly. If you want to remain go in completely unknown, that's fair enough. That makes sense. You probably should. So thank you for listening up to this point. See you next week. Off you pop. Okay. So what what surprised you in the film, like? Because um, you said you didn't really know much about the story. Is there anything that happened after? The court cases that surprised you, in particular. Um, well, uh, they he goes to prison obviously yes, for a which long surprised me, time, actually. which really surprised me. Yeah. Um, I didn't really realise that was going to happen. And I do. I think that is actually the weakest point of the film. I I have written prison scene a bit flat. Yeah, very flat. And you just it, you just don't like seeing this character in prison. I think is mm. the main reason because it's been quite lighthearted and fun up to that point. And then to see him go to prison and his family go through all that is just not. It's just not particularly fun. But it's not. I was thinking it must be really hard to come up with an original prison. Someone going to prison scene. The same beats happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a very creative <laughs> It's uh, no thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like he goes in, he puts his contents of his pockets in, yeah. They shave him, he's naked, they have to search him. That, yeah. Well, we've seen all that. That's in every every single prison film ever. That's not a surprise. There's or one shocking. guy in there he doesn't really get along with. Yeah. But then he goes and that in there. is I didn't like that character. That character that... could have that's one that could have been cut out, I think. Yeah. Because it's so irrelevant. It's so, irre- so irre- one-dimensional as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's bad. It's quite bad, I, I think, that bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, as, as far as the plot goes, I did, that was, like, surprising. That was surprising and I yeah. was like, wow, I can't believe that 
it got that serious. Yeah. That he's in prison for in, for writing. He's well, oh, and he's in prison and being well, being in um, contempt of Congress is yeah. the actual charge, which is bizarre. But um, for being a communist. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, Quite crazy, quite horrible. Uh, he, there's quite a few of them. I think quite a few of them went to prison, but we're, we're only showing Brian Cranston and um, Arlen Hurd, who's a combination of about three or four of them. That's Louis C.K.'s character, and he's dying of cancer yeah. in prison. So that well, was, he has cancer, that, and then it's and kind then it's of like, clear he's going to be all right. Yeah, like and Breaking then, Bad, is kind of... Well, that's the, because there's a bit where Arlen <laughs> says, I've got lung cancer, and then Brian Cranston says... Is there anything I can do? And I was like, down, oh my, yeah. Down, 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 down. <laughs> my brain just couldn't stop being like. If there was a character called Jesse in it, I think it would have exploded. I've got a caravan. Jesse. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but that's me because yeah. actually I didn't I didn't watch this thinking like Heisenberg in the bar. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's so such a good actor. So removed from Heisenberg, yeah. that's what I think is important to know. But just yeah. my brain was on such Breaking Bad that yeah. that little scene did take me. And then Arlen, they have an argument, mm. and then um, that's the end of Arlen. Yeah, Arlen, Arlen dies. Which, uh, yeah, wasn't the most amazing part of the film. I think. I think it was. Well, when they had the argument, I was a bit like, well. Yeah. Die now. Yeah, I think I think the thing there is that because he says at the end when he has his speech at the end, mm-hmm. he talks about how bad the Hollywood Ten incident was and the Red Scare and it was people actually lost their lives. And there's some insinuation by a couple of characters that think that the stress of this situation caused him to be like a weaker Ill. and yet made him ill and effectively killed him. So I guess that made because sense. Because Arlen is sort of very worried. Yeah, he's kind of because the rest of them are very wealthy, mm-hmm. whereas he seemingly is not. He's quite a poor screenwriter, I think. It yeah. comes across. So for him, this is like he says, oh, "I can't afford all these lawyers and all these court cases. For me, this is something that you can do, but I can't really." Mm. Which is quite a nice little parallel. Yeah, I really liked the way that they amalgamated all of yeah. that into him yeah. and how it all worked out. That's very good screenwriting, scriptwriting, actually where they just get that across in so few lines and so few scenes, just perfectly maps that out and it all makes sense, all feels real. That was really well done, I thought. And Louis C.K., I think just that, um, watching his stand-up and yeah. things, he has um, an intelligence behind him. Very intelligent man, um, yeah. That just, it's just shown so vividly. And yeah. in this, you, could, you really, that comes across as well. And I don't think yeah. it's just because you think, oh, it's Louis C.K., it's the way he is and his strength as an actor yeah. that that comes across that you really think, oh, this is a pretty serious thing for him. Yeah, and he's kind of schlubby as well. He yeah. looks schlubby. Like, he's quite overweight. He's got a very ruffled ginger hair, like, mm-hmm. balding. He, yeah, he looks the part, and it's, that's very well cast, actually. Mm. Um, so once he's out of prison, obviously he's not he's blacklisted, so he can't get to work in any studio. So he goes to the King Brothers, which we talked about earlier, the kind of the B-movie, John Goodman part of town. Um, and he secretly writes films very cheaply for them, and eventually the rest of the Hollywood Ten join in. That was probably my favourite part of the film. Because it almost becomes like a comedy caper, yeah. in a way, where they're kind of secretly writing screenplays, and that's where the best comedy comes in, where I think about the gorilla suit, and these writers are all Oscar-winning, Oscar-nominated people that are now having to write films 
Uh, the, the Alien and the, the Farm Girl, I think, is one of the titles. Yeah, poor old Arlen. He's <laughs> one that. And he puts in all these communists. Yeah. About the worker rising up. <laughs> Again, his intelligence yeah. is just <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed all that stuff. And then he... Uh, so, oh, we should talk about Roman Holiday. Yeah. Which is probably the film he's most famous for. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I only saw for the first time last week. I haven't seen it. I loved it. It is amazing. It's one of those films that I've always sort of thought, oh, I'm never going to watch that really. But it's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Really well written rom-com. And he won won an Oscar, but he couldn't accept it because no one knew he wrote it. And that's a really great sort of... That's one of those things that feels like it's from a film. Yeah. Oh, he actually won this, but no one knows he did. And it happened. It's so good. That's why that's this is another one of the strong points of the film. I just think things like that. It's like, wow, that actually happened. That's true. Like, and he's sitting at home watching it. With his family, yeah, watching the Oscars and they can't get it. And then, because he obviously he knows the writer that has won it, uh, Alan Tardyke is his name. And they, they put the Oscar on the table and he goes, well, I don't want it. Well, I certainly don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who gets it. It's got your yeah. name on it. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote it. Yeah, that was a nice little moment. So eventually he starts to build momentum from these secret screenplays. Because he's a really good writer. Yeah, even the King Brothers stuff mm. is actually suddenly seen as really good. And uh, Helen Mirren becomes suspicious in an amazingly Helen Mirren way. Yeah, she does some good... the name of a screenplay even if it's secret. Maybe I've even heard of it. <laughs> she does some good snooping. Yeah. And eventually he gets the attention of Kirk Douglas in his knitted jumper. He's wonderful. Is it knitted? Yeah. Is that just... I don't well, even it, know. It looks it knitted, is, but it just, it, just looks, it just looks great. Yeah. <laughs> a bright yellow sort of... It's like a weird polo it's just jumper. It's tight. A polo jumper. Yeah. Mm. That's a weird thing. I don't think exists anymore. Mm, um, shame. That's David O'Gorman, who I'm not actually familiar with as an actor. But, Neither uh, am I. I want to see more of him. He was a dead ringer for, yeah. for Kirk. Um, and the stuff with Otto Preminger, who also hires him to write a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Again, wonderful comedy. Um, really strong stuff there. Um, so should we just then talk about the final scene? Mm-hmm. Unless there's anything else you want to... No, I don't think so. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Uh, so the final scene where he uh, is finally recognised for his work and you sort of... I mean, that... Because that... he breaks through. Yeah. He, so... He's the one, effectively, yeah, that ends the blacklist. That. That's yeah. important, yeah. He was the one that on TV announced, yes, I've written all these screenplays in secret, the blacklist is a joke, that it's done nothing... Communist agents found zero, all things like this. People arrested who actually done it, committed a crime, zero. And then he's, I think in the 70s, he's awarded some special award. Mm-hmm. And he does this amazing monologue at the end. And it's sort of got everyone in the room who's in, been in the front previously. So John Goodman turns up, Michael Stuhlberg shows up, Kirk Douglas, Otto Pranger sat next to each other, which I don't mm-hmm. know if that actually happened. Yeah. I hope bit, it did. It's a bit convenient, but it'd be great if it did. Yeah. Um, that's an, just a nice way to end it, I think. Um, it's a bit conventional, having everyone in the room at the end, listening yes. to him yes. basically do a monologue about how bad it all was. But it works. It does work, and it's performed really yeah, well. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to sum up the film, actually. It's conventional, but it works. Yeah, and like we were saying, it's got yeah. that zippy 50s... I think if you're... Because obviously Spotlight's still on... And Revenant's still on it. And they are perhaps better films, but they're tough. And if you want to go to the cinema, just relax and let a really good story, a really good true story unfold, then I think this is the one for you. I couldn't agree more. So, out of five? Mm, 
Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. Because, like... I, I'd go four, I think. Yeah, I dip between three, three and four. Three and four. But I think just because I do... But I, in terms of, like, good... Like, it's hard because you put it against other films. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a good I mean, to film. be honest, it's very hard to do star rating because yeah, there are things you love about a film and things it, you don't yeah. like. Maybe we'll think of something different for next week. Yeah. But, yeah, three or four. What's your question, Helen? Sam, if mm. you could play... This is really hard to just... I'm literally okay. doing this on the spot, but anyway. You can think about it. Okay. If you could claim credit for any film mm. to say that you'd written it, mm. what film would it be? Mm. Sam is thinking. <laughs> if I could claim credit for any film... Writing it. So you got So, like, chance. I'd be actually... Actually, I was the one that wrote that. That wrote that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you actually were, like, imagine. Yeah. Um, imagine that. I'll imagine that. And I will... I'm going to go for, I think... Pulp Fiction, I think. Wow! Because it was quite a, a big nice. game changer. Yeah. And quite a revelation, you know. And it was, it's very, it was very popular with audiences and with, like, critics. And it won an Oscar. And everyone's like, oh, Tarantino's a genius from Pulp Fiction. But it'd be great to say, actually, you didn't write it, actually, I did. Actually, it was me. So That'd I be cool. It. And just like, it'd be nice to see Tarantino sort of stutter his way around responding to that. Oh, I like that as an answer. I like how you thought about how, <laughs> how Tarantino would react. Would it's not true. It's not yeah. true. It's totally not true. It's BS. Total BS. <laughs> <laughs> Question reverts right back to you, huh? Um, I was, well, it's a boring answer I really like Shawshank. It'd be pretty good if I just had that in my back catalogue, wouldn't it? That'd be a great one. It's funny, Shawshank, because the director has only made like five, four or five films or something. Yeah. But he did make the Shawshank Redemption. So, so he kind of never has to make a film ever again. It's a good position to be in. Yeah. Or Eight Mile, because then I would technically be Eminem. <laughs> That's true. That. Not, nothing wrong with being an Eminem. I'd be Helen. pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Helen is the real Slim Shady. Uh, next week, I think we're going to tackle the biggest, uh, biggest splash with Tilda Swinton and Rafe Fiennes. Uh, it's quite a quiet week next week, so. That... <laughs> but also, also, Goosebumps is out next week. Oh. Uh, for half term at the Curzon, it's out. It comes out. The, I think it's out at the moment in wide release, Ooh, but it comes to the country. Then. Maybe we could do two. Maybe we could do. Maybe yeah. we could do two films next week. Excellent. So thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.